WTEL podcasts are powered by Stanley Steamer Air Duct Cleaning, Delaware's clean air experts. Call 1-800-STEAMER. David Katniss, contributor to The Atlantic in this case, but senior politics writer, U.S. News and World Report magazine and online. And uh, David, your thoughts, uh, set it up for us, uh, this great uh, battle uh, between uh, Sanders and, and Warren forces, although they're amicable to one another, but there are some subtle differences. Yeah, look, I mean, Senator Warren and Senator Sanders are allies on the big issues, on economic inequality, on uh, sort of that, that populism that you see running through the Democratic Party. And their aides say they like each other and that it's genuine. But look, you know, I've seen some sort of behind-the-scenes shadow boxing um, preparing to demark differences between them as they move closer to that 2020 decision. Because remember, right after the midterms, Alan, which are only in a couple months, November 2018, we're going to start seeing candidates make decisions on whether to get into the race and I'm told by a top Sanders aide that his first uh, move after that will be to sit down with Senator Warren and figure out who is going to go, who is going to run, because they both can't run because they, they have very similar constituencies and they would they would basically cancel each other, cancel each other out. And the other thing, uh, I guess, that is assumed here is that uh, one of them running means that one of the other younger progressives would not. But we don't know that that's going to be the case. You could still have have a new face, newer face out there. For sure. And I think, look, to be fair, we, we it's not impossible that, that both Sanders and Warren don't run. Remember, candidates have, have different things in their head at different points. We don't know how the midterms are going to go. Uh, you know, maybe Warren and Sanders decide they're going to run no matter what. I would say my reporting tells me that Sanders is more likely to run. He is He's already sort of gaming out fundraising plans. Uh, for 2020, saying he could raise between 275 and 300 million dollars for the primary alone. He's already done this before. He's got a built-in constituency. Warren, I think, is a bigger question. Remember, they wanted to draft her. Liberals wanted to draft her into the race the last time she passed on it. And I think there are some questions now of whether she really wants to go. So you've got a, you've got those two sort of the big two behemoths in the Senate, but there's Cory Booker from New Jersey, Kamala Harris from California. As you mentioned, there will be other progressives lining up who don't have the relationship. The interesting thing uh, point you make in the article is that arguably Warren has the better ability to bring together some of the establishment party and the progressives, unlike Sanders, given his uh, political pedigree, technically outside the party, and also that she has a better shot at uh, African-American. Right. Remember, Sanders had a very tough relationship with the party during the 2016 primary process. A lot of his supporters felt like the system was rigged against him. Warren has sort of bridged that. She is she works for the party. She she is a Democrat. Remember, Bernie Sanders doesn't even identify as a Democrat. He's a Democratic socialist. Uh, you know, and there's also that question, you know, obviously Elizabeth Warren's a, a female, is a woman. There's going to be a thirst within the Democratic Party to smash that glass ceiling that Hillary Clinton stunningly wasn't able to do in 2016. But, but, you know, we come back to Warren is from Massachusetts, Sanders is from Vermont, even Cory Booker, New Jersey, Kamala Harris, California. Coastal states, the D's are going to carry. Someone else is going to come out there and say, you know, who's going to bring in the upper Midwest and some other states in between? Well, there will be other candidates. 
remember that we're looking at a, probably a very, very large field. So there, you know, there might be a John Hickenlooper from Colorado or a Steve Bullock out of Montana. I think someone will fill that void for sort of the Midwestern blue dog, more moderate candidate. The question is, can they get through a primary where we know uh, the Democratic Party is lurching to the left? Uh, you got progressives out there saying abolish ICE, Medicare for all, uh, raise Social Security benefits. Uh, you know, can a moderate survive in a primary like that? And that's where Sanders' team thinks he has a really big advantage. If there's yeah. a big primary, like we all expect, if there's 10, 15 candidates, he's already got... 25 to 30 percent of the vote they think from last time going in that gives him a bit of a leg up let me broach now a very sensitive question which uh, was not raised in your piece and i don't think it's been raised anywhere that i've seen yet uh joe biden why am i not shocked to deliver the eulogy at, at john mccain's memorial of course they were pals across political lines great respect from one another but uh, in one way it establishes uh, biden as the senior statesman on the other hand that's the problem senior statesman and uh, reaching a across the aisle when that's increasingly unpopular in both parties. Absolutely. But look, I think, you know, there are some things bigger than politics. I think a lifelong friendship is one of those. I think Joe Biden is honoring that with his tribute uh, to John McCain. But I do think Joe Biden wants to run. And you hear from Democratic Party figures that, hey, he could be the unifying figure out of all this, sort of the senior statesman that runs against Trump because there isn't a, a, a more obvious candidate that can unite the party. You know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, say what you want about them. They're less experienced, and they, they may not be able to unify the party. They're more divisive figures. Joe Biden does come from a different era, for sure. He is much older. He's been around. People are going to say he's not a fresh face, but he is a senior statesman and someone who probably can campaign everywhere in the country. And as you just mentioned, he's, he's one guy... That, were, that John McCain wanted at his, at his funeral because their friendship goes back. And that shows, I think, bipartisanship. I think that shows patriotism, uh, which, you know, is lacking these days in our current political environment. Well, Joe Biden has delivered eulogies at other Republican funerals. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that he has a, has a reputation as someone who can fight the good fight. Remember, he, he faced John McCain in the 2008 presidential election, and they, they would go at it. And, you know, he would, he would defend Barack Obama uh, against John McCain's attacks. But, you know, in the end, I think he values those longer-lasting relationships and harkens back to a day where Washington was less yes. uh, filled with vitriol and animosity and, and still based on friendships and relationships, even across the party line. All right, David Katniss, uh, The Atlantic and U.S. News. Thank you, David. Thank you.